The call to worship this morning comes from your bulletin. It's the insert for Avenus Hope. A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. His roots, a branch, will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. The breath of his lips will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faith will sash his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together. The child will lead them, and the cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. Infants will play near the hole, and the cobra, young people, will put their hands into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all long holy mountains. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. In In that that day, the the Lord will reach out out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people. From from lower Egypt, from from upper upper Egypt, Egypt, from, from Cush, from, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, from the from islands of the Mediterranean. Thank you. The verse I'm reading today is found in Psalms 103, 1-6. It's page 556 in your pew Bible. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Today's New Testament reading is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. In your pew Bible, it's on page 1114. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. This week we're looking at how worship and praise and thanksgiving yield hope. Maybe obvious to some of you. But just to recap from from last week and our Thanksgiving theme, we're talking about why praise and thanksgiving. And I put worship in there too because praise and thanksgiving have an object, don't they? Someone that we're praising, something that we're praising about, 
someone we're giving thanks to, even if it's as generic as a spirit of thanksgiving. So we talked about worship, praise, and thanksgiving and how thanksgiving and praise arise from a deep sense of awareness about the difficulties of life and the way in which those are overcome in seasons like harvest. Just to recap, for those of you who haven't been here the last several weeks, we talked about soil preparation and the toil that goes into that. How the original curse of Genesis 3 speaks of how from the sweat of man's brow will he eat and how he will toil with the soil, basically. So the curse from the beginning speaks of the hardness of life for women, pain in childbirth, for men making this living out of the soil, making things grow. We talked about parables of types of soil and the way in which each of them are receptive or or the seed responds in growth in different ways in each type of soil. We talked about this agrarian, this farming model that's foreign to so many of us now that we live in towns and cities. Now that the metropolitan venue has replaced the homestead and the farm. We talked about the miracle of reproduction and the way in which it happens from a seed all by itself. How we're out of touch with that through things like fertilization and things like uh, sprinkler systems, irrigation systems. The ancients had ways of irrigating too, but they were much more dependent on rain than we are today. They had a much deeper sense of connection with what it meant to plan and, and uh, work with the seasons to get soil prepared, to get seeds in, to hope for rains, to pray for rains, to let the rains do their work, and how within the seed was the potential for the harvest that a kernel of wheat could yield 20 or 40 or 60 or 80 times itself. And that that was vital because we know from the story of the soils that some of it goes to ground and is eaten by birds and other things. Some of it springs up but withers quickly. Some of it is choked out by weeds and other pestilences. And there's that which remains. And it has to be enough to plant for another harvest and it has to be enough to feed the family, to feed humankind over time. So out of these simple farming analogies, we came to a sort of, I think, simple understanding of how difficult life can be, how dependent we are, and how grateful we are at that season for that which has been safely gathered into the storehouse. We've talked about how it's a spiritual metaphor as well. Within the seed is the potential that exists all by itself. We don't make the seed into what it will become. Its potentiation lies within. What we do understand is the way in which that translates into our own lives. God has put within us a potential. And by his spirit, he can grow that. And within our churches, there's a way in which we grow too, simply by being what he asked us to be. We, we don't make ourselves grow. God adds to the church. God is the one who does the growing. Have you ever found that you've just grown 
looking back over 20 years of life? Have you, have you grown? And I'm not talking about an extra few pounds. I've talked about that plenty. We all have that, or most of us do. But really, have, have you, do you feel like looking back over 10, 20 years you've grown? Come on, adults. Really? You haven't grown? You watch too much television. I don't know what's wrong. Anyway, you've all grown. That's the bottom line. We grow. Our cells are replacing themselves. We're learning new things. We're changing. We're evolving constantly. How many of you pursued that actively every day and thought, I'm going to grow today? Maybe a couple of you? Growth happens. Maturity happens. Wisdom comes. We don't necessarily look for it. We talked about the harvest and the way in which things are gathered in and the importance of that harvest. Why it's so precious. It's so precious because it's going to be that which makes sure we have something to plant next year to feed ourselves and because we're going to eat from it. And out of all of this toil, this soil, this labor, this work that we do, all of our prayers that the rains will come, all of our hopes that the seed we plant is good seed somehow. Out of all of this comes a sense of relief and gratitude, a sense of abundance, something left there for us to actually share. Eskimos have a tradition all of you studied in social studies or at least Anthropology 101 or Sociology 101, we get our word potluck from it. It's called potlatch. All of you remember potlatch? Potlatch was the tradition of gathering all together from their disparate locations at a particular season and sharing out of the abundance that was. The one who could give away the most had the most prestige. It's opposite of our our culture, right? The one who hoards the most has the most prestige. But in Potlatch, it was how many very fine pelts you might give away that could be used as a blanket or a bed. It would be how beautiful and ornate that scrimshaw carving was on that walrus tusk. These were the things that made you wealthy, what you could give away. So there's this sense of of abiding gratitude. And last week I talked about several factors, several things that, that make Thanksgiving praise and worship really vital and really important. I struggle to remember them in order, so I don't expect you to remember any of them. But I think the first one I said was that it puts the universe in order. Maybe some of you remember. I see Peter nodding his head, so I guess I got the first one right. It puts the universe in order. That sounds like a pretty tall thing to say, doesn't it? Pretty big thing to say. People putting the universe in order by an act of worship? That's right. Because when we stop and acknowledge God as Lord of all, as dependent on none, as creator, not creature, as holy other and holy with, we've set the universe in order. 
And secondarily, we're prepared to take our place as dependent creatures. And thanksgiving and praise and worship put us in line on those two things. I think I mentioned the psychological benefits of worship and praise and thanksgiving. It's really hard to be feeling sorry for yourself when you are expressing thoughts of thankfulness. It is really hard for you to focus on what you don't have when you are thinking in grateful terms about what you do. It is very difficult to tell the God of the universe that he shortchanged you in an act of worship. And somehow all of that comes together to help us psychologically in some very important ways. To set us on a path that helps us live life as it was meant to be lived. Appreciatively. Fully. Mindfully. Gratefully. Unselfishly. With a mind to share. Because if we are not the sources of all, we are the recipients. If we are the recipients, then who are we to hoard or keep? Ours is a lot to share. I don't think I specifically mentioned this, but out of this kind of argument I've just made comes a really, really great basis for community. It's a positive reason to be together. There are lots of positive reasons to get together with people or to have some kind of community. A lot of communities, it seems to me, are rather loosely structured and based. People don't seem to have a great deal in common except maybe a cause. We're fighting for better air quality in Los Angeles County or uh, we want to save the whales or we want to make sure that our Tea Party candidate of choice gets elected to office. We're not necessarily thinking in terms of a widely shared viewpoint of life. We're focusing on one point or another in which we have something in common. And when you get to social networking places, uh, many of that those connections can be even looser, less meaningful. Some of them can be great, but some of them can be very, very... So when we talk about worshiping our God, inhabiting a spirit of thanksgiving and praise, being mindful of our, our, our place in the created order of things, when we share all of that in common and understand the fragility and the strength of our creatureliness, the way in which God has put within us a potential the shared struggle of life, we have a lot in common when we come together in community. We have a very positive basis for sharing in community, for gathering weekly as we do, for knowing one another's names, for giving that hug of encouragement, for sharing resources as we can. 
We have a positive basis for community. The one thing I don't think I mentioned last week was I believe that worship, gratitude, and praise lead to better health and longer life. Better health and longer life. Now, I know there's the exception to the rule because inevitably it is the most abusive, abominable, crabby person you've ever met in your life who's just as stubborn as the day is long, who's irascible in every sense of the word, who's just a character with a capital C who ends up living to 104. It's the one relative you had hoped would pass away much earlier but it's the one relative who outlives, it would seem, all the others. Take your chances. You can be that person. See if it gets you to the 104. I would suggest to you the vast majority of the time a positive spirit, an open outlook, a a sense of connectedness. All of these things lead to greater psychological health and greater physical health. There have been studies done on the diet in the South, and the results are frightening. People should be having disease rates and dying much more rapidly than they are, given the amount of cholesterol and fat and carbohydrate, calorie, and so forth that they're consuming in in the general diet in the United States there. In the Bible Belt, though, we're finding that they're actually not succumbing to disease and actually not dying at a rate we would predict because of faith, gratitude, love, community. These actually somehow build an immunity, strengthen your body against the onslaught of disease. So I I don't think I mentioned that one last week. But perhaps the number one factor that goes into all of this is that when we acknowledge there is one called God, when we acknowledge our derivation from that God, our createdness, our creatureliness, when we acknowledge our dependency, when we give thanks and praise, when we engage the curse, so to speak, and we toil and earn our living, At the end of the day, when we gather in community, we have something that most people have lost. We have a basis for hope. We have a basis for hope. Is what I'm saying making any sense? Is it resonating with you at all? See, hope is that quality that's going to carry you through the darkest and most difficult of times. Hope is that quality that helps you overcome the anxieties that come to you at night. Those thoughts that penetrate your consciousness and wake you. It's a sense of hope that gets you through. Hope is what will enable you to say, I'm going to fight when you find out you've got a bad diagnosis and you've got a disease to reckon with. Hope is that thing that 
allows you to look at generations and despite the differences, say life is going to go on, God will still do a work among his people. Hope is that quality that allows you to persevere when you feel like giving up. Hope is that thing that makes you different. It enlivens you somehow. It prepares you for the impossible and the unexpected. It enables you to transcend. Our scriptures today deal with some of these themes. Let's revisit them together. Your Pew Bible has these texts in the TNIV, which I'm reading from. Let's start with Isaiah 11, page 641. We read it as a responsive reading today, so it's also an insert there. We have here a prophecy that was meant to bring great hope. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. And then we learn immediately in Isaiah's poetry that he's not referring to a stump and a branch. He's referring to a person. Because it says the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, of counsel and might, of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. This fear we speak of is not trembling and anxiety. It's not the house of fear in which we've been called from to live in the house of grace and love. It is the knowledge of the Lord, the respect of the Lord. This one upon whom the Spirit rests will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. The kingdom he brings, in other words, is a different kind of kingdom. Kingdom concerns are more inclusive. They're not just about the concerns of the wealthy or the powerful. They're broader than that. They bring hope to a people who have no hope. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips. He will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the satch around his waist. Again, poetic descriptions are person upon whom the Spirit rests is a deliverer. He is one who judges, but his judgment is righteous and faithful. And then we find this wonderful passage that's quoted so often, this idyllic image that's painted that is often said to refer to heaven. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. 
the cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the ox will eat straw like, excuse me, the lion will eat straw like the ox. Infants will play near the hole of the cobra. Young children will put their hands into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from the ends of the earth. And I paraphrased. We have this idol, and I mean I-D-Y-L-L. The wolf and the lamb, the leopard and the goat, the calf and lion and yearling together, the cow and the bear, the child and the cobra and the adder. There is this sense, this poetic vision that says when the one who is promised comes, when the righteous judge comes, something different happens in the very ecology of the way we live. The savagery of predation and the way in which we see the world shifts. The reality moves to a land in which there is no harm done. A land we all hope for. So with this root of Jesse this branch, this shoot that springs up from the stump of Jesse, there's something very important we anticipate as we come to this first Sabbath of Advent. As we move forward to Psalm 103, or I should say backward in your scripture actually, page 556, and thank you to our youth to reading for reading today. Another aspect of this hope becomes real and praise. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. What does that mean? Is your inmost being an outward and public thing? Do you think? No. What is your inmost being? It's that quiet place. It's that private place. It's what is within. It is the reality of who you are, stripped of an exterior, stripped of a mask, devoid of pretense. You ever watched a child play with delight? Oh, they gurgle and smile and dance and trip and kind of frown for a second and get up and right back to the glee and they're doing their thing. There's very little distinction between the inmost being and the outer behavior. Adulthood means suppressing all of that, pushing all of that away, making sure we can no longer feel or experience any of that and certainly not express it. Did you see how stilted my dance was last week? I'm terrible. Well, at least it was a dance, right? I tried. But all my inmost being, 
this inner part of me, this sanctum, this hidden place, the psalmist refers to. And he says it right. Praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. We forget quickly, don't we? Our common prayer is, what have you done for me today? Lord, it's nice that you did all that stuff back when, but what are you doing for me now? Isn't that kind of our crass uh, tendency and spirit? Come on. I'm going to have to encourage many of you to go into ministry. You're better people than I am. Don't have these uh, the, these tendencies that I have to want to uh, pray these disastrous prayers. What have you done for me lately? Forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion? Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle's? What on earth does that mean? I'm not actually really sure from a biblical point of view. But what I can say is that from the various versions I read, it appears that like the eagle rises on the currents and soars anew every morning with the sun, our energies are renewed. Our spirits are renewed. We're given new new energy, new life. It is easy for us to forget the benefits of the Lord who works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. These are things that give us hope. Have you been oppressed in any way? Had a dispute with a big corporation you had no way of winning? Maybe it was over a bill or a something. Had a little tangle with the highway patrol and lost? Um... Have you ever been up against it somehow? Have you ever felt oppressed in any way? Maybe it was school and a teacher who was fond of 40-page term papers. That's oppression, I, I have to say, unqualified. That's. Thanksgiving, praise, worship, and ultimately hope are the antithesis of these things. The one that we praise who offers all of these benefits. Hebrews 11. We'll take this thing home. We all know Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter, and it is. And this introduction tells us something important. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith... I guess I'm supposed to stop there, but I'm going to keep going. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. 
By faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he's commended, he's, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went. That was another thing I said last week. Worship, thanksgiving, and praise are acts of obedience. In case case we had forgotten. Faith is being sure of what we what? Hope for. We hope for life in perpetuity. We act in faith. We hope for a world made better now by the values we hold. We live those now. We hope for a gentler, kinder place where the justice is done and where the poor are not oppressed. That's a vision we respond to in the here and now by faith. Worship, thanksgiving, and praise contribute to a sense of hope. What I hope you enter this Advent season with, what I want you to go away with today, out of Thanksgiving time, is a profound appreciation, yes, and a sense of God's goodness in your life, yes. But today... I hope we embrace hope and live it as a community. I'd like to invite our ensemble to come forward for the offertory. Here in Santa Clarita Church, we give our offerings and our tithes responsibly. God has gifted us, blessed us, and benefited us. Let us respond in kind. O God of hope, we worship and we praise you this day, thanking you for your many benefits in our lives and blessing you as you have blessed us. Now go with us in this Advent season, this time of anticipation, we pray. Amen.